Patsy DeFerris is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. So believe it or not, one of the best parts about this job is not the game day credentials, traveling to new places and having a podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. It is the moments when I look down at my phone and I've gotten a tip or there's some breaking news and I know what it means. I can read the words that have been sent to me or pop up. But I have no idea what in the hell is going to happen next because it relates to an area outside of my expertise. Often this happens within the criminal justice system, okay? But I need to find out ASAP. I need to find people who can educate me so I can pass on that information, conduct more reporting, write stories, podcasts, do TV, radio, et cetera, and become an expert like that. This, of course, most recently happened Friday with Jack Jones, who, as you know by now, was arrested at Logan International Airport. Uh, for having two guns in his carry-on bag that went through a TSA security checkpoint. State trooper was called over. Uh, he was arrested, posted $30,000 bail, not 50 as initially shared by Massachusetts State Police, whom I contacted Friday night after a brief bout of Tourette's when I had to get out of bed and, and write the song. Uh, also spoke with the Patriots, who released the same statement as they did to every other media member, wrote up a story, made paper next day. Great. Saturday morning was when this process started of I have certain knowledge gaps I need to fill in here about the criminal justice system and process. I need to know about all of these gun laws that I looked up last night and did basically what everyone else did in my mentions and looking, okay, these are the charges, the corresponding sentences, but I don't know the likelihood of Jack Jones getting two and a half years in prison for the large capacity feeding device. Cause I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. I'm not anyone involved in these processes. So those are the people I called defense attorneys who have handled cases with gun related charges a retired judge and other legal experts to fill in those gaps and look ahead and see what the chances are. Because again, that's part of the job. And the thing about this case, in addition to, you know, going back to Robert Kraft's case, where I turned over a whole story overnight, speaking with a, a private investigator who used to be a cop down in the county in Florida, where he faced solicitation charges and a defense attorney who handled similar cases. Is it kind of like covering crime? The law is black and white. I need to be so careful with my words in this arena, especially reporting, where for the most part, you can't get away with cliches and bullshit and bluster and things you might see in kind of the sports media sphere. And yeah, there's a fair amount of that, obviously, with the justice system and any sort of lawyer speak. But there's also a lot of gray area, drama, strategy that breeds new case law. And when you have high profile cases like this, the stakes rise for everyone. So anyway, over the weekend and seeking all this feedback from all those different people, I wrote up a story. It ran this morning in the Herald and online at bostonherald.com. If you have not read it yet, I would highly suggest it. It tries to get ahead of all the questions that we've all wanted to know. What does this mean for his playing career? What are the charges? What are the likelihood of him going to prison? What happens next? Because I didn't know what was going to happen next at that point. I was learning. And I'm still learning after just getting off the phone with a gun forensics expert who's taking me through the process of what could happen next. Because Jack Jones's attorney this morning said he had no intention of bringing a gun into Logan Airport and, quote, had no idea what was going on, end quote. And as we move forward with the story, whether you're in my end reporting or listening on the radio or watching TV, I would just urge you to stay patient and admit what I had to at the start of this. I don't know, because any media member or lawyer or expert or talking head who tells you they know exactly what's going to happen with Jack Jones and the five charges and 10 counts he faces for having those two guns and four magazines going through Logan International Airport, which were loaded, by the way, they're talking out of turn or probably talking out of their ass. Because as bad as this looks for Jack, we don't know what's going to happen next. There's a process in place, but not Jack, his attorney, Rosemary Scapiccio, the Suffolk County 
district attorney's office, the Patriots, none of them know this has to play out, starting with a probable cause hearing on August 18th. And the state will need to decide, likely before then, maybe a little bit after, whether to pursue all five charges or reduce versions of them or just a couple, because this could end up in superior court, as it was put to me, instead of district court where he was arraigned today, which basically be going from double A ball to the show. Okay. There are going to be a lot of closed door conversations that must occur for the defense on the DA's office and between the two sides, but every step and every piece of public information counts. So pay attention to those, learn from those without drawing these big picture conclusions. For example, the police report, even after some of us filed for this a few days ago, finally came out today, it was released. Okay. And we didn't know until the report came out that upon being confronted by the state trooper, once TSA stopped Jack Jones, he declined to speak without a lawyer present. There was no admission of ownership. There was no pinning the guns in anyone else, nothing. So all these theories or potential defenses that were thrown out on radio or different podcasts or places, gone out the window. And that was a smart move from Jack Jones, who, as we know, has a little bit of history with the law. Maybe he learned from that, okay? And so since he didn't claim the guns as his own, all of those theories and defenses go out the door. And more importantly, because the guns were not on his person, they were in a bag, even if it was his, the state will now likely have to prove what's called constructive possession if this reaches the jury, meaning they must prove on every charge that Jack knew the two guns were in the bag along with the ammo. He had access and the ability to control them and intended to use that access and ability in the future. Now, because that makes it a little bit more difficult for the state, does this mean this gets just dragged out? Does this mean he gets off easy? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe there are even text messages that the state is going through right now that show Jack intended to use the guns in California, where he was heading, native of Long Beach, going to Los Angeles. There are a lot of bullets in there. One of those large capacity feeding devices, the magazine had 30 rounds or 30 bullets, excuse me. Or maybe the cops will test for DNA and that will be enough. Okay, again, we don't know. And I would just urge caution and patience because there is a possibility that this goes very long. And drawing any sort of big picture conclusions is just going to make you look bad in the first place. And if you're listening to people who are doing that, they're the wrong people to listen to. The other thing to note about this case before we get into definitively what we do know and then get under your mailbag questions is that according to the people I spoke with, cases involving unlawful possession of a firearm, the basic case, you can't have this in this place, this gun. These cases more often than not end up in deals. There are too many cases and not enough resources on the Commonwealth side to string out every single case reach the maximum punishment. And both sides can kind of mitigate the risk of flat out losing in front of by meeting in the middle with some sort of plea agreement. It saves time, money, money, and potential embarrassment. And honestly, by the sound of Rosemary's Capiccio statement to the media today, where she slammed unspecified people on social media, in the media, and mentioned institutional racism for, quote, making Jack out to be a thug and want to be gangster. It sounded to me, and a few attorneys I circled back with, that she knows she's kind of boxed in by the facts of the case. But that's an assumption. And we can't run with that. And it'll be very interesting to see what she does now, having several different options that Jack has said nothing to the cops, and they need to prove constructive possession, which is a bigger deal than if it was just in his pocket or in his hand when they discovered them. One quick note on Scapiccio, because she's getting killed in certain spots for that kind of statement in the first two and a half minutes before she got to the point of saying Jack had supposedly no knowledge of this and had no intention of carrying guns into Logan Airport, whether that's true or not. She is an excellent attorney. Okay, She has a long history, 31 years in Boston, um, several long odds victories. She's won a case 
or argued successfully before the Supreme Court, exonerated convicts who had served decades in prison and then got millions in compensation after the fact. She might have had a lot of bluster Tuesday morning. Jack has strong representation. Of course, what will matter most are the facts in this case and how the state decides to proceed, whether keeping it a district court where his stiffest penalties will be off the table or taking it to superior court will be indicted. And all those stiffest penalties are on the table and there's a little bit more of a spotlight. So I wouldn't listen again to the people who are judging her, not based on the 31 year career and all the cases I just mentioned, but two and a half minutes of going off about social media and institutional racism. He's got an excellent attorney. And just another example of listen and learn before you start to mouth off or listen to people who are trying to do the same. Um, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to go through the charges. The one thing I'll also say is that people in the DA's office floated this out that the maximum sentence he could face over 30 years in prison, that's not going to happen. Even if the odds are poor for Jack Jones, and they are, he's not going to serve more than 30 years in prison because most often sentences are served uh, concurrently as opposed to one after the other. The sentence for one of his charges, carrying a loaded gun, only triggers if he's first convicted of having unlawful possession of a gun, and they prove that. Uh, that would have to be consecutive for the fact that it was loaded. But other than this, most often these end in deals. Sentences are served concurrently. Will he get jail time versus prison? We don't know, okay? We won't know for a while. Here's what we do know, however. But first, let's take a break. All right, football season still a couple of months away, but baseball season is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel America's number one sportsbook because right now new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's one comma zero, zero, zero. $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, you win if you lose. Just go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to join today. This could be if you're a Red Sox fan. If you're not, if the Sox are losing, bet on them to come back as the game is going on. Or if you like Rafael Devers or Adam Duvall, they hit a home run. You can bet on that at FanDuel. Just don't miss out on the chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks are used with permission. Must be 21 or older in present Massachusetts to bet. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit is required. Refund is issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires in 14 days. Restrictions to apply. Please see terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling help. Line ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSense ma.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Okay, dusting off a new segment here. Uh, better than Andrew drinks alone and talks to himself, something we did back in the summer where I had a beer in hand and recap these long training camp practices, looked over some film from the preseason games. This is Andrew Reed's bits and parts of a police report. If you want to pass forward to the mailback questions, we get a little more football in there. For me, I just think as far as the, the severity of these charges and the long road ahead for Jack Jones, and he's a very good player, the legal stuff has to come first, and then we can talk about Jalen Mills is probably moving back to corner if the Patriots really need it, because I don't really see them signing Eli Apple or Marcus Peters. There's a little football for it. In the meantime, these are the facts. Here are the things we do know. Any place you need to start about what the future holds for Jack Jones needs to start here, and this place is Friday night, Logan Airport, where according to state police, the two guns and ammunition were discovered approximately 5.30 p.m. TSA called over the state trooper to the scene where Jones, as I mentioned, declined to speak without his attorney present. The bag had a tag on it with the words UFC 
and Jones, comma, Jack, according to the police report. Of note, the Patriots visited UFC headquarters last year in Las Vegas, where all the players left home with a bag. Now, inside the duffel bag, police discovered two guns and four loaded magazines, including two large capacity feeding devices, which in the state of Massachusetts, Commonwealth, uh, are defined as magazines carrying more than 10 bullets. One, as I mentioned, 30-round double stack, uh, 9mm, inside what was a large Glock box. A review of the security footage at Terminal B at Logan showed that Jones had placed the bag on the belt of the x-ray machine. According to police, he was, quote, in possession and in control, end quote, of the bag, and he does not have a license to carry in Massachusetts. So he was booked at the state police Logan Airport barracks. Bill was posted to $30,000, not to $50,000, as initially reported by state police. Two counts following five charges. Here they are with the accompanying sentences, which, as I mentioned, most often these are not officially what folks, especially first-time offenders, get. Jack is a first-time offender when it comes to gun or, or, or any sort of laws in Massachusetts, though he does have a prior record. We'll get to in a second. So two counts of the following charges. Unlawful possession of a firearm. Mandatory minimum sentence, one and a half years in jail or two and a half years in a state prison. If it's two and a half years in a state prison, that will first require an indictment. Next charge, possession of a concealed weapon in a secure area of an airport, maximum two and a half years in jail, or five years in state prison and or maximum $5,000 fine. Possession of ammunition without a firearm identification card, maximum two and a half years in jail, or maximum $500 fine. Carrying a loaded firearm, maximum two and a half years in jail, if first convicted of unlawful possession of a firearm, as I mentioned, these, this sentence would be conserved consecutively, one after another, day after day, no chance of parole, with the mandatory minimum for the, as uh, aforementioned, unlawful possession of a firearm, okay? Maximum two and a half years in jail because it was loaded. The last one, and this is the biggest one, possession of a large capacity feeding device, mandatory minimum two and a half years in a state prison with a maximum penalty of 10 years. This is the only charge that Jones faces that cannot be tried at the district level and must be moved to superior court so not only is it the most significant charge but it's the one that decides does the da's office want to indict as analogized before is taking this case from double a ball to the show where the mandatory minimum is also in effect but it's in a state prison so that one is the one to watch along with the other mandatory minimum uh sentence which comes with the unlawful possession of a firearm again there's two counts of each if this keeps in district court not only is it fewer time as far as the mandatory minimum is one and a half years in jail versus two and a half in a state prison for the unlawful possession of a firearm. But if it stays in district court, it's in jail versus prison, bonus for Jack, lower time, better chances of making a deal. So what comes next? Okay, I mentioned there's a probable cause hearing set for August 18th that was determined at his arraignment today. The other part about this is, as I mentioned, the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office, which could have already started this process, if it wants to indict, will probably summon a grand jury, present in front of them. That process usually takes four to six weeks. They may not go that route. They might just use the criminal complaint filed by the police against Jack Jones and move forward with the indictment that way. Or they would have to drop the last charge I mentioned, the possession of a large capacity feeding device, because again, that one requires an indictment. You can't try that at the district level. And that would be very, very good news for Jack Jones because it would not only remove that stiffest penalty, which could be a maximum of 10 years in jail, it's not going to happen, but at least it's there. It would remove the stiffest penalties for all of the other cases, unless they dropped that one and chose to indict the others, which I don't really know why you would. So indictment, that is going to be the next step, the next thing you really want to look for before you get to the probable cause hearing, which could get pushed back 
and happens sometimes according to people I spoke to, where it just gets pushed and pushed and pushed. The case stays at the district level, you know, usually plead out. Um, but that's that's the bigger part. In addition to deliberating whether they want to indict or not, the cops are likely going to test for DNA on the gun, something they can do. And of course, check for fingerprints. My understanding, as I mentioned, speaking with a forensics expert, is that the fingerprints are much more likely to be found on the magazine or the cartridge because it's got much more flat space where you can pull a clean print off of that. If they do find a fingerprint or DNA from Jack Jones on the gun or the magazine cartridge, it's not the dagger for the state's case, the Commonwealth's case, but it is very important because you're getting closer and closer to a reasonable inference that it's his duffel bag. It has his name on. He was the one who brought it there and put it on the conveyor belt. And it looks like at some point in time, he's held it. But is that point in time right before he got to the airport? Or was it four weeks ago where the fingerprint laid there, rested, and that's all you know? I don't know who also owns the gun. That'll be part of this. More information to come out. It's annoying, but just sit tight and wait and see. Um, the other thing to notice about this, I talk about most likely these cases end in deals. The, theoretically, the DA's office could remove the mandatory minimum sentences from the two big charges, which I mentioned. Again, there are five. They're all, they're all felonies. But these are the big ones. Unlawful, possession of a firearm, and possession of a large capacity feeding device. What they could do is break those down, meaning kind of strip them of the mandatory sentence, where if you're sentenced to 18 months in jail, let's say, you muster day after day after day after day. They could knock that off, like taking an automatic first down off of a defensive holding penalty but it's still 10 yards for the offense. And that's important because you could still pursue that charge, but as a favor to the defense, or maybe you don't have enough evidence to pursue this, it's just 18 months. It's not mandatory 18 months, where in those cases, from what I understand, someone who serves time gets out in nine months and the back end of that back nine is, is really on parole or at least a chance for release. So that might be a middle ground that they strike. Again, that would have to deal with the unlawful possession of a firearm, allowing you to serve 18 months in jail with a chance to parole and dropping the possession of a large capacity feeding device. So ultimately, other big question, will he go to jail? No idea yet. There's a long way to go. There's more evidence to accumulate. The testing for DNA, my understanding is, takes weeks. The fingerprint is not definitive. Um, Rosemary Scapiccio is obviously going to have a lot to work with here, a lot to work on. It's an uphill climb, but we'll see. What else matters? Okay, let's talk about the Patriots. They could cut ties anytime they want. Their statement was basically, we saw what happened. We're gathering more information. We'll have no comment. Based on his contract as a fourth round pick in 2022, minimal financial penalties for Robert Kraft. The thing is, Jack Jones is pretty good. I argued he was the best player on the field for two days at minicamp. It's two days in June, non-padded practice, say what you will. But this is a guy that they were counting on, for better or for worse, to be around and help improve that cornerback group that really got abused against the best receivers in the game and the best cornerbacks quarterbacks in the game down the stretch of last season. So if he's not there, your cornerback depth is hurt. There are some free agent options. I think for the Patriots, as well as the NFL, which history would indicate they're going to bide their time on this and hide behind similar statements of our investigation is ongoing. We're not going to comment, let this play out. The NFL, we know, doesn't tether itself to the criminal justice system, either the outcomes or the processes. But they're interested much more in PR. They'll go on their own timeline. And if there's no reason to cut Jack Jones, or maybe they put him on the commissioner's exempt list, if you're the league, they'll do so. I think the Patriots and the league will probably be in lockstep about this. What it means for when training camp starts, I would highly doubt that Jack Jones is there. 
um, probably put off to the side. What happens after that will depend a whole lot again on if there's a deal reached, how soon a deal is reached. And if not, this could be a process that takes a year or two. Do they keep him out of football then? Is it just one season? Uh, is it six games? I don't know. There is a history, of course, of gun-related charges for NFL players. Frank Clark had a couple of charges. He served two games. Uh, other players have served different amounts or not at all. Um, police are also going to have to prove that the gun can fire, and then they'll get a certificate of that to show that there's an actual firearm. Otherwise, these charges are moved. Anyway, more details that they're actually going to gather information. I just wouldn't count on anything happening from the Patriots of the league on this anytime soon. Last thing, I mentioned his prior record. In the high-profile nature of this case, you could go back and forth. I'll say that, you know, some believe the DA's office is going to have to dig in their heels there. They're in the spotlight just as Jack Jones is because he's a celebrity. Um, it's it's a We have a gun violence problem in this country. And so to let him off easy or the appearance of letting him off easy is something they probably don't want to do. Do they go harsher or not is up for debate. But those were things mentioned to me. I pass them on to you. Okay, final last thing. His prior record. Uh you probably know by now because this was the first thing that came out when Jack Jones was drafted out of Arizona state um, last year is that in 2018, when he started his career at USC that ended with him being um, kicked out of school for academic issues, dismissed. And three weeks later, he attempted to rob a Panda express for which he faced two felony charges uh, of conspiracy to commit a crime and commercial burglary. After months of negotiation, they reached a plea deal. And those charges, felony charges, were knocked down to misdemeanors. And so he served 45-day house arrest as a part of that deal. And that's not going to have a huge sway on here. But this can't be a case of, oh, I just didn't know any better. First-time offense, he forgot they were in that bag. That's it. Let him off easy. This is a guy who has a history. And the stuff with the league is not going to play into the legal process that he was suspended at the end of last year, suspended at Arizona State, issues at USC. But from a legal standpoint, the fact that he has a record and is relatively fresh, you can't get away with the, I'm 25, I don't know any better. This guy who travels a whole lot. And the defense might try to use that to their advantage by saying, this guy knows he couldn't be this stupid, they were planted. We're not going to go there yet. The point is, though, that the record is going to be a factor that will be weighed how heavily by any sort of judge or the DA's office when they're choosing how to pursue this. It's going to be part of the discussion when they have this. So uh, we covered the Patriots. As I mentioned, they can cut ties anytime. It's in their best interest, I think, to wait, at least in the short term. Um, and they don't have many good options. We talked about offensive tackles last episode as a position that teams just don't give them away. You can't find them out in the open market, starting caliber offensive tackles. Similar with corners, okay? There are some on the streets. I don't think they fit what the Patriots look for or want. Um, but they'll probably need some for depth because they're small out there. I think Jonathan Jones is solid. I think Christian Gonzalez could be special. But I, I don't think you could make on that position group being a strength of the team the way that you think you could have coming out of minicamp and OTAs when Jack Jones looked primed to take a year or two lead and now he might be sitting on the bench uh or completely outside of the stadium in the locker room for quite some time all right let's get to your mailbag let's wrap this up we'll have pretty much all football talk next week unless we get some unforeseen development with this case I feel like we've covered it all so Naturally, the first question here in the mailbag talking football starts with Jack Jones. <laughs> this comes from Cam. What are the odds that he actually plays this year for the Patriots? Seems like they're just willing to wait it out and see. Yes, as I mentioned, they should wait the sound and see. It'll depend on what the league does, if there's any sort of deal reached, how believable it is that, you know, that whatever the defense produces, that the guns were not his, they were planted in there, or he just forgot. We'll see. They'll want to keep one of their best players. But he has multiple strikes now within just the last 12 months with the team, within the last six months with this team, and that's going to weigh with them. 
What are the odds? I would say less than 50%. That's what I'm most comfortable saying. If you disagree, fine, let me know. Uh, this coming from B, do you expect the Patriots to add a new running back? They basically lost one and added no one. So B referring to James Robinson, who was cut um, with no guaranteed money. I initially had 150,000 guaranteed in there. looks like it was a stipulation that he had to pass, um, you know, obviously a physical, which he didn't in, in specific um, clauses in the contract that pertain to each knee and his Achilles. Anyway, he's gone. They've not added anyone else. If they do add someone, I would expect it to be in the middle of camp. I think, though, they like their young talent here in Pierre Strong, who was seven for seven when targeted in their last mini camp practice during competitive team drills, has the speed and fits the profile of all these running backs we've seen before. Shane Vereen, James White, Damian Harris, Reminder Stevenson, who, except for Stevenson, really rode the bench in their first year and played a prominent role in the offense in year two and in some cases for many years to come. So is Pierre Strong a lock to do that? No, but I think they feel comfortable in their process, their talent. He has a season of experience and blitz pickup, the most difficult part of any running back's job, um, at least from a, a learning curve standpoint. And so I, I don't expect it, but I wouldn't be surprised either. Joseph Carlson asks, are you concerned about the lack of long-term signed talent? So the Patriots actually have one of the higher numbers of players who are under contract for 2024. The issue is who are those players? Because they're certainly not 2020 draft picks who look like they're breaking out. I'm talking about Kyle Duggar, Josh Uche, Mike Onwenu. You go a year ahead, you're talking about can they get Christian Barmore maybe extended next offseason, Ramondre Stevenson. Mac Jones obviously fits in that conversation pending his performance this year. My answer would be I'm not concerned yet. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of cap. They're currently slated to spend the least amount of money in 2024, which means they have more money to spend than basically everyone else. And so they could get these long-term deals done. It used to be you could count on a deal. Jonathan Jones was uh, 2019, the year before they had Sha Shaq Mason 2018. Get these deals done right at the end of summer. It's kind of this faux deadline of, of week one. Let's get this through. Uh, maybe you see that with Duggar. Maybe it's Uche. Maybe it's on Wenham. We don't know. I would just say they have the resources to get it done. But if these guys walk in you know whatever it is, seven, eight months from now when we get to free agency – then obviously is a big issue. If they even reach free agency, that's an issue too, because these are guys who are excellent players and play premium positions for the most part that you just don't want to have to go out in the open market and pay free agent prices when you could just re-sign these guys in-house and make it work on your terms with an extension, even if you know they want to get paid. Make it work would be my, my response. Carlos, even if Jack Jones remains on the team, do you expect New England to sign a veteran corner for insurance? Uh, also, what would be more likely now? The Patriots signing an offensive tackle or corner. Thanks. I would say corner. Um, don't feel great about their offensive tackle depth. But again, it's really difficult to find those players. Every single NFL front office is looking for a viable offensive tackle for depth, for starting, to be your swing guy. That's it. It's not great that Connor McDermott's your fourth offensive tackle. And you have City Sal, who's playing the position for the first time, most likely in a game since 2018. But this is the route they chose. They believe in their guys more than you and I do. Um, corner, I think you could find they did it last year at the end of the season, made it work, pivoting to play some more zone. No, you don't want Tay Hayes, who's no longer on the roster, getting those snaps or Quandre Mosley. But I think they feel more comfortable patching that position, and their history would indicate that than offensive tackle. So, um, <laughs> I guess the odds are similar and they both suck, but I, I would lean closer towards a corner happening rather than an offensive tackle. Uh, last one, I forgot to put, um, 
I think this is from Gary, actually. Who are three players, one in offense, one in defense, one in special teams, you think are currently off the 53-man roster who will play themselves onto the roster because of training camp and preseason? So the offense, I think you have to start with, um, you know, one of the interior linemen. And you could argue that Jake Andrews, City Sal, and Antonio Maffi are all going to make the roster. But throw them in with the five starters. That's it for your backups. Because you also have Calvin Anderson in the mix. You have Connor McDermott in the mix. Riley Reef and Trent Brown. Those are your four offensive tackles. You can't keep, you know, 10 guys on the roster like that unless you come one after the fact and sign for the practice squad. So my bet right now, because he was the last one drafted of those rookies, would be Antonio Maffi. He played left guard and right guard at UCLA. Tremendously experienced player, even after converting to offensive line from defensive line just three, four years ago. And he got time at those spots in minicamp, which tells me they believe in him, his experience, you know, his ability to handle that kind of load mentally. So I like him. Defensively, Isaiah Bolden, uh, who's a corner. This might be cheating, more special teams. But he's a guy that just has the raw traits that if you give him time to develop, especially acclimating from the level of competition he faced at the FCS level at Jackson State up to the NFL, he's got things you just can't teach. And so maybe it's only on return so far to start the season if he battles Marcus Jones for those snaps on kick return. But he was getting a real opportunity in minicamp, and they won't know what they have until the preseason. Those reps will really, really count. Even training camp is going to be difficult to tell for the kick returners by, like him, seventh-round rookie to Jackson State. One special teamer. You know, a lot of these guys are on the bubble because I would have, you know, for example, Riley Webb, core special teamer. That's all he does. He's always going to do. He's actually a loser for minicamp last episode when we talked with Doug Hyde. I think he's off the roster. I don't think he plays it back on. But could you make a case that Demarcus Mitchell, who was an undrafted rookie who didn't make the team last year, makes the team now, even though they signed Chris Board, another linebacker who's probably played a little bit more defense for them this season than Mitchell will. Um, could you make a case that Mitchell won't make the team? I would say, yeah. So They've got a new core here. And then you throw in Cody Davis, who got hurt last year, but is in the middle of his 30s and, you know, might not be able to make the cut, along with Board, Matthew Slater, Brendan Schooler. Like, one of those five guys is going to be on the outside looking in, I believe. So my bet would be, if you don't think DeMarcus Mitchell makes a cut, I'll bet on him. It's not a sexy pick. It's not anything big. Maybe Nick Folk does it, and they carry two kickers initially, drop one of the, the practice squad and hold on to him that way in week one. They've done it before. They did the inverse last year. They had no kickers on the roster. But it's going to be a crunch for those core special team spots, which no one wants to hear about. So this is a good place to uh, end the podcast. So like I mentioned, we will be back next week. A lot less legal talk, a lot more fun as we hit the dead period of the Patriots season. Uh, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Special event coming up on August 9th at Vitamin C Brewery. Uh, Fitzy will be there, myself, a panel of Patriots experts. Ticket information is not yet available but if you want to pay $20, drink some outstanding beer and come get your questions, not via podcast, and maybe not even to me, but to some other beat writers, uh, come out August 9th to Vitamin C Brewery. It's in Weymouth, and we'll have a great time. Until then, enjoy your summer beers, and we'll see you next week.